Pray with me, please. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. So one of my spiritual heroes is St. Francis of Assisi. And one of the reasons he's one of my heroes is um, because he chose to live his life simply. He decided fairly early on that he would rely on God to provide for his needs. And, and for me, especially in our culture, that's a really wonderful model and an inspiration to me. So living simply, a couple weeks ago I talked about how our materialism gets in the way of our relationship with God. Well, living simply kind of fits with that same kind of um, idea, that same kind of spiritual practice of holding things lightly. But our culture, as we've talked about before, is totally opposite of this idea of living simply and holding on to things lightly. We're constantly being bombarded with the need to get a better car or the need to have a certain certain outfit to wear or a certain cereal to eat or a certain deodorant to put on or fill in the blank, right? And, and our culture, if we doubt it at all, you look at Ismelda Marcos's shoes or Jay Leno's cars. We have this culture that isn't just part of the United States of always wanting more. There's even magazines that talk about simplicity, but if you open the covers, they give you all of these lists of things to buy so that you can live more simply. When a friend and I decided to visit an Amish town when Dave and I were in seminary and living in western Pennsylvania, we went to this little Amish town called Volant because I wanted to kind of have that Amish experience while we were there. And so Pam and I drove over about an hour and a half to Volant and, and we wanted to shop in the little Amish stores and just have this experience and hope to see a carriage or two, you know doing kind of the tourist shoppy thing. And we walked into this Amish store, and every surface was covered with stuff that you could buy. And all the walls were filled with different hangings and sayings. And, and it was the kind of place, because I kind of used my hands a lot, if you hadn't noticed. It was the kind of place that I was kind of nervous because the aisles were narrow, and, and if I moved quickly, I'd be in danger of knocking something over. So we're walking through, and Pam pokes me, and she says, look at that. And we look up at the wall, and the wall, there's this little sign on the wall that says, simplify. <laughs> <laughs> the culture that Jesus lived in, and even the culture that is spoken of in the Old Testament lesson was so different from ours, but human nature is one that we feel like we need to acquire stuff. That living simply isn't really part of our natural tendency. 
And, and so individual wealth was really valued in both Jesus' time and in the time of the Israelites because it was seen as blessing from God. If you had property, wealth, um, uh, good crops, a store of grain in your, in your barn, you were considered blessed by God. And if you were poor, you were considered not just not blessed by God, but actually cursed by God. So the culture was different than what we have now, but that same human tendency to go after stuff and to have the security of stuff and not to live simply was present then because I really do believe it's part of human nature. But Jesus, being countercultural, repeatedly encouraged people to live simply. In other places in the Gospels, he says, if you've got two coats, give somebody one of them. And when he sent his disciples out, he said, don't take anything with you. Just go and trust God that God will provide for you. Dave and I had that experience when we went on the Camino, Camino de Santiago de Compostela, about a year ago. We, um, when you walk the Camino, uh, if you decide to do it kind of as a pilgrim, you carry your own stuff in a backpack. So everything that you need, um, clothing, food, water, um, toiletries, you carry on your back. And as, you, as we were reading all the preparation books for how to do this and how to actually make it, um, there were so many cautions about not taking too much stuff. And of course, for us and for most Americans, and I think for most pilgrims, the tendency is to say, well, I'm going to need that, and I'm going to need that, and suddenly your backpack weighs 40 pounds. And to walk the number of miles that you walk each day, somewhere between 13 and 18 a day, over sometimes difficult terrain, to be carrying that much weight, your body's going to give out. So we learned how to pack very lightly. The clothes that we wore and another change of clothes. We carried water. We carried a few snacks and very small amounts of toiletries that we could replenish on the way. And... Um, and we survived just fine. <laughs> we washed our clothes every day and wore the clothes that, our second change of clothes, that's what we wore to bed, and then we got up and did the whole thing again every day. So this living simply idea really appealed to us and continues to appeal to me, but it's challenging in our culture. And I think the reason, at least as we prepared for the Camino and also as we walk through life, the reason that we want more stuff is really, it might be based in greed or it might be about social standing so you can keep up with the Joneses, but I really think the reason we feel like we have to have a lot of stuff is based in fear. Fear of not having enough. Fear of running out. And even as we walked on the Camino, the fear wasn't so much about our clothing, because, you know, we had the stuff that we needed to wear, but the fear was, are we going to run out of water? Are we going to run out of food before we, you know, get to the next little village? So the tendency is to, you know, put more stuff in. And, and what I think our scripture says to us, I know our scripture says to us in our passages today, 
help drive that point home is that we need not fear because God will provide what's needed. God may not provide for everything we want, but God will provide what's needed. So this passage from Exodus that we read today is actually one of my favorite sections of Old Testament scripture. And this is why. I think it totally captures both our need to have stuff and our forgetfulness with regard to how God provides for us. So here are the Israelites. They're in the desert. They're all mad at Moses because they're wandering in the desert and they're tired of not having enough, enough food and water and, and good variety to eat. And so they start romanticizing their time in Egypt. Now, if you remember their time in Egypt, the Egyptians treated them, had them there as slaves. And not only were they slaves, but they kept increasing the labor load so that they were required to make more and more bricks, which was really humanly almost impossible. And they were penalized for not making enough bricks. It was miserable in Egypt. So then, finally, after the plagues, the Pharaoh says, go, they go, and they take their, what they have with them, and suddenly the Egyptians have second thoughts, and they go after the Israelites. The Israelites go through the Red Sea on dry ground. The Red Sea collapses over the Egyptian army. God leads them by cloud by day and fire by night, and God is faithful. God is always looking after them. And so in this passage, they're grumbling. They've forgotten all of these amazing things that God's already done for them. And they're complaining, and they're fearful because they're tired of not having what they think is enough to eat. So God promises to rain down quail at night so they can have an all-you-can-eat feast of quail every night and to rain down manna from heaven every morning so they have enough bread. But they're cautioned not to store, not to keep more than they can eat each day because God is teaching them that they can trust him to provide what's needed for the next day. God is reliable, God is faithful, God is just, and God will take care of them. And that is the message of this passage. In our fear of not having enough, and in the Israelites' fear of not having enough, we sin because we're failing to trust our God who loves us, who provides for us, and who has our best interests at heart. In God's economy, we're blessed with abundance in order that we might be a blessing to other people. The intention of God is always for us to be a light to the world. And one of the ways that we can do that is not just speaking words, but through action, by sharing what we have with those who don't have as much. And that's always been God's intention for God's people. And we see that, that heart of God in today's gospel as well. Now, this gospel lesson is hard for us because our immediate reaction, or most of, for most of us, speaking for myself, I should say, my immediate reaction is, well, that's not fair, right? How is that right that these people that 
worked all day long get the exact same amount as the guy that works an hour at the end of the day. And I sound like one of my children when they were growing up when they thought I wasn't being fair. That's not fair, right? But what this gospel lesson teaches is that the landowner, God, is one who is not treating people fairly, but treating people with compassion and with love. Because those people that worked for just one hour, if he'd paid them less than a day's wage, they wouldn't have had enough to take home to their family to feed them for one day. It wasn't a huge amount, but the landowner was so compassionate and so generous, he wanted to make sure that every person that worked for him would have enough to take home to their families so that their families wouldn't starve. This God that we worship is exceptionally generous. And as people called to be a light to the world, our mandate is also to be exceptionally generous, to share with those who are in need. Because frankly, in our country, even the poorest of the poor have an awful lot more than the poor in other parts of the world. That's not to say that, that we shouldn't be paying attention to those in our neighborhoods, because obviously I believe we should, but, but we have so much, comparatively speaking, to the world. And because of that generosity of God in our lives, we're expected to share. And I think the thing that really stops us from holding so tightly to our stuff and living a simpler life so that we might be more freely giving is fear. And I want to tell a story on Dave and I. You know, we're in stewardship time now. You're going to, if you haven't already received them, you're going to be getting letters asking you to pray and think about, about how you're going to give um, this next uh, calendar year. And and Dave and I, when we were a young couple and had, were committed to our congregation in Fullerton, Emmanuel Fullerton, and we had little kids, and Dave was working as a physical therapist, and I was blessed with the opportunity to be a stay-at-home mom, we were just starting to get in touch with this concept of tithing. And the idea of tithing was really frightening for us because, you know, we had a pretty strict budget. We had a big house payment, and we had to support our kids, and, you know, all the things were kind of budgeted out, and to tithe would have caused us to change our budget significantly. Well, over the course of a, I don't know, three or four or five years, we finally got to the tithe, and we felt good about that, and we found that God always provided for our needs, even if, you know, it started to get scary. Well, Fast forward a little bit of time, and, and my parents had died, and my dad had um, left a piece of property, property to my sister and I, and we sold it and split the money, and Dave and I decided that with that money, we were going to sock it away for retirement because he was self-employed, so he didn't have an IRA, and he didn't have, you know, he didn't have uh, uh, matching uh, gifts to retirement from his company. 
So we decided to sock that money away because that's good strategy, right? To sock that money away. But we both kind of felt like we should give some of it to our church, to Emmanuel. So we, we talked about the amount and, and we wrote a check and took it to the church and put it in the plate and felt pretty good about it. And then that week, the Holy Spirit was, was getting me. And unbeknownst to me, the Holy Spirit was getting Dave. And what I was hearing and what he was hearing, even though we weren't talking about it, was you were supposed to tithe that amount. And so finally, because the Holy Spirit wouldn't leave us alone, I said to Dave, I said, you know what? I think we were supposed to tithe that amount. And he said, oh, I'm so glad you said it because I've been feeling the same thing. So we write the check, the next check, to make it a tithe, to add to already kind of a significant gift, at least for for us, a significant gift to our congregation. Well, here's the deal about giving back to God that which has been given. It turns out that the exact amount to the penny that we tithed was the exact amount that was needed and that our priests and vestry were praying for, for a special um, sound system for the congregation, for the church, to the penny. And when we learned that after we were obedient and paid attention and did what we should have done in the first place, how that blessed the congregation, congregation didn't know where the money came from, Our priests did. When we learned that, the blessing that we received and the sense of God's hand in our financial lives was so overwhelmingly beautiful and inspiring that from that day forward, we have chosen to tithe whether, well, we don't enter the lottery, but if we won the lottery, we'd tithe it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) but we've chosen to live that way because we know that everything we've been given is from God and that and here's the key we can do with less by living simply and because we have a God that will always provide for us always provide for us he hasn't failed us yet And we're getting up there in years, so I don't think he's going to fail us now. In fact, I'm pretty sure he won't. Because he promises that he will care for us, that there will always be enough. Amen? Amen.